I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you... Stu and Blake. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. Joining me always, my co-host, Blake Harrison. How are you, mate? I'm very good, mate. Very good. Um, we can see another little box down here, can't we, if you're watching on YouTube? We can. We can. The fan you would. How are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you, mate. How are you guys? Good. Good. I mean, good, mate. We're, we're probably a little better than you because... You're injured. So before we do anything, mm. can you? I mean, we saw a, a sort of sketchy video on Instagram of of of, of, of some kind of yeah. sort of tumble. Can you tell us exactly what happened, please, mate? Yeah. So there's me saying I'm good. I'm like I'm not injured. <laughs> I'm stressed out. Um, oh, yeah. Long long story short, round the mats we've got at the gym, there's kind of like a wooden trim, if you like. Now. The, the mat usually sits above the trim, but obviously there's been a little part where this wooden trim is just sitting above the mat, and I've gone for a takedown, landed my knee on this bit of wooden trim, which is just, I guess, sliced the knee, but where I've gone over it is degloved the skin almost. That's um, a phrase you don't want to hear. Degloved yeah, the skin? Yeah. I've never so heard that. I the skin's just been pulled back. Oh, and mate. If I'm honest, it didn't really hurt. And I looked down, I had my knee bent, and I'm like, I can see my leg bone. It was grim, man. Um, I did put a picture up on Instagram, but that was it looking a lot better. You know, we'd straightened the leg, the doctor cleaned it all up. Um, so, yeah, I just got to trust the process and think God's plan and everything happens for a reason because it was the most kind of freak accident, I think, you know. I could have that could have happened. Part of me thinks, you know, I'd rather have actually had a proper injury other than this little kind of graze that's turned into a, a big gash on my leg. But yeah, it is what it is, and unfortunately, it just hit me at the wrong time. You know, I think if it had happened maybe a month before it did, I reckon I still would have been able to compete on the card. Um, but yeah, it's just come at the worst time. So, so is it. Yeah, if we're trying to see the positives, it's that, yeah. I mean, obviously being off a London pay-per-view, that sucks. There's nothing, yeah. that's that's shit, obviously. But yeah. it's not like you're going to be out for six months or anything like that. You can get, you're, no. you're saying you can get back in there. When, when's the earliest you reckon you could 
actually have a fight and get back in? So I think, because obviously where I haven't been training, my fitness is just, whoosh, you know, it's gone. I was getting to the point where I'm trying to hit my peak for a camp. So now in an ideal world, you know, if if I was good to go right now, I'd probably look to have an eight-week fight camp. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I think it'd be good to go May. But I've got a stag do at the end of June, my stag do. So <laughs> oh, You've got not, to get I'm it in gonna, before then. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be able to get two before then. So I'm like, as long as I just get one in before that, I'm, I'm yeah. happy. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm not happy. I wanted to compete four yeah. times this year, five times even. But, you know, at the moment, it's just like, what can I do? You know, so um, I just look forward to getting back in there, you know, and trying to climb them ranks and, and get ranks. You know, that's that's the aim. Well, I think that one of the things that I, I think when we saw the fight announced, like against Lerone, both Blake and I were both like, that's such a good fight. But we're watching two British fighters, both on a tear at the moment. And it, it felt a bit yeah. weird that at London, two British fighters would get put against each mm. other. What was your thought when you, you kind of first heard about that fight? So because I've kind of known Lerone, we're quite cool on um, social media. You know, we've never met in person, but he was going to come down and train with me at one point. I was going to go and train with him. Um, it was a bit like, oh, shit, you know. I sort of said to him, like, hey, bro, you know, I've been offered you. Um, like, you know, I can't really turn the USC down. They might turn around and say, all right, cool, you're not on the card then for all I know. And I just said, look, do you want to have a scrap and we'll have a beer after? He said, yeah, let's do it. So... There's no animosity. There's no kind of like beef, if you like. We've had a little back and forth on the social media now, but, you know, it's all fun. Well, I was going to say, is that is everything all cool now? Because it did look like you two leading up to the fight. It was just like, we're going to have a beer afterwards, just enjoy the violence type thing. And now there maybe is, is is there any beef? Is it all okay? Or because it seemed like there was a little back and forth on Twitter about like mentioning that like, there was some people that think that, that people you know in common or something like that, that seemed to, you, you said something along the lines of, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that there's people in, you, you know, people in common and they've said to you, they think that you'd get the better of him or something like that. And he took exception to that. Is, have, I got, have I got that right? Yeah. So I put a tweet up saying, uh, guy, obviously the fight's cancelled. You know, I believe that I was going to put on a masterclass and, you know, he, I think he took took that as like, a, oh, yeah. you know. So then he commented, like, with a laughing face, going, like, come on, bro. And I'm like, hey, listen, I didn't at you. I'm just, unfortunately, yeah, you were my opponent. So when I put a, a tweet out there saying, like, you know, I was going to smash my opponent, unfortunately, yes, that's you. But I'm just putting a post about how I think I'm firing on all cylinders. You know, I think I'm doing well. I think I was going to put on a performance. So we've had a little bit of message on the privates, and it's like, bro, it's nothing like that, you know, and, and where we are caught, cool, honestly, yeah. there's no real sort of beef, but he got the ump of it. And then I said, listen, you know, I've had people reassure me on my beliefs because I have had someone say to me, listen, you know, I think you, you, you're going to take that one. But I also said to him on the private message, hey, it's MMA, man. So it doesn't matter what anyone thinks, you know, we could spar tomorrow and he absolutely smashes the hell out of me. And then the next week I smash the hell out of it. You know, it's MMA. Anything can happen. So, um, yeah, I think he took that to heart, which I guess you would, you know, and I think he's now probably thinking, oh, who was it that said it, you know, and yeah. hey, I'm not a snake, so I'm not going to say anything, <laughs> but, you know, um, yeah, it's all fun and games. There's no there's no hard feelings, you know, we're just two guys on the same mission. We both want to be UFC yeah. champions in the world, and unfortunately, you know, we're now in the same weight class, so um, 
You know, we're set, we're ranked right next to each other, so you know, we're, it's uh, it's why it makes sense. Yeah, and it's a it's a tough one. As you say, you're both after the same thing ultimately, but hopefully, I mean, we like again us being big. British MMA fans, and we've had both yourself and Larone on the show previously. We think you're both great guys. We just we like the idea of you two helping each other in sparring, going down to the gyms and helping each other out, and then both getting other opponents and smashing yes. them and working your way up the ranks uh, up towards the likes of Arnold, who we also uh, really love on this show as well. So that's what we want to see. We don't want to see yeah. the beef between you. Beef with people outside the country. Beef, beef with some other people. <laughs> yeah. That's what we want to see. But you know what it is that the as much as like, I didn't want to necessarily fight him, the matchup is a sick matchup, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's like, great! That, yeah, even if I just take a step back and look at the style where I am, the style he when you know when I've been studying these fights, I'm like, man, this is going to be a good fight, you know. I generally think for me, he's a great style. Like the style's perfect for me, you know. I don't think it was going to be like a close back and forth. I generally think it was going to be a masterclass from me. Again, you know, that's no offence to him. That's just what I generally think. Um, but only time will tell. So, you know, it's, it's only just words now until, you know, I've got to back it up. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can reschedule it. And uh, unfortunately for you guys, you got to see uh, Brit versus Brit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean there's, there's another former uh, Cage Warriors champ as well that's, that's, that's coming up to Feather as well. What are your thoughts on Jack Shaw uh, coming up to Featherweight? Yeah, no, I, I think... Uh, He's a bit bigger than me. You know, I don't know how much weight he was cutting because he never looked uh, like shredded. You know what I mean? So I don't know, you know, how hard his cuts were. But, mate, I think everyone should move up a weight. If it's tough, then move up, man. You know, and the last two fights, the guys probably had four or five kilos on me. I didn't have any issues, you know. I just think that it was something I think that was hindering my performances. So, yeah, if, you know, Jack Shaw feels that it's right for him, good on him, you know, go up and wish you all the best. And if we get matched, then, uh, yeah, then I don't wish you all the best. <laughs> <laughs> but you're talking about the weight cuts. You've put up that video of you a couple of times where you're just, you're kind of like topless, like, look, I don't know if you're in the middle of a cut or, or, or what it is, but you look so shredded. But also it's like the veins. You can see the veins. It looked like yeah. the phantom weight cut for you was... Torturous. Mate, it looked that like a was bad a week cut. Bef- that was a week before the fight, so I hadn't even started water cutting. That's and uh, I've been cutting cutting out the carbs and stuff like that, and it was just after a training session. But I still had six kilos to cut. Obviously, a lot of that would have been done in water weight. Um, but I've, had, I've got people saying, oh, you know, you're too small for the weight. You know, why are you moving up? And it's like, look at me. I'm dying, yeah. man. You know, that week yeah. I was in tears, like three four times the missus kept saying to me what's the matter and I was like everything hurts like I couldn't get out of the car one day she says what are you doing I was like I generally can't get up right now just give me a minute I think the dog done something and I shouted at him I started crying and mate my brain was just all over the place and then the guy pulled out the day before so oh, <laughs> I've done all of that yeah and that's when you know as, as I said blessing in disguise because that was the time I thought I'm done with this now I'm no longer cutting to bandon weight you know if there was a a fight, say the UFC said, right, you know, cut to bantamweight weight and you're going to fight for a title or something like that. You know, yeah, I can make it, but I'm not doing it anymore. You know, I'll go up a weight. And if I'm too small for that weight, then I'd rather hang my gloves up than keep cutting to bantamweight weight because, man, that was killing me. And um, 
health is wealth. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. 100%. And I want to touch on, on, on mental health a little bit there. I mean, you, you touched on the fact that then, then wake-ups were clearly affecting you mentally as well, the point where you felt, you know, you, 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 you're crying and you're losing your temper, your dog and stuff like Um When you see what, what happened recently in, in the gym, it meant you was going to be out of London. Um, how do you deal with, with, with that? Like, and I'm talking about, you know, mentally. It's hard. It is hard, man. Um, for me, I would say that I'm used to it, and I don't mean to say that in like a, oh, poor me, poor me, but I've been so down before that it's like, all right, I'll get through this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I've been at my lowest, and I'm like, cool, I'll get through this. You know, I've got my family, I've got my friends. You know, yet I lose out on a paycheck. I've lost out on a fight, but there'll be another one. You know, there's worse going on in the world. Look at what's going on in, in Turkey and Syria with the earthquakes. Yeah. You know, there's more in life to be be stressed about. And, you know, in the position I am, I'm blessed. I've got an iPad that I'm talking to you guys on. I've got a nice flat that I'm in. I've got a dog and a fiancé that, that love me. So, you know, I just try and look at his... What what I do have kind of outweighs what I, I don't necessarily have. If that makes sense. And I think that's a really healthy approach, mate. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things that we, we are aware of in in that kind of downtime from not being able to train and stuff. Tell us about the clothes label. Yes. So obviously, where I'm not fighting now, I've had a lot of uh, spare time on my hands. So I've got a clothing brand called the Prospect Apparel. Um, you know, probably a lot of people have seen it on my social media, but. We wanted to make a way of creating more of a community-based kind of clothing brand, you know, something that will make you come to us potentially that other brands won't do. So we're doing a subscription basis, and it's going to be called the Prospect Academy. It's going to be something where, you know, you'll have tutorials, all of my coaches, my whole coaching team. We've got my sports physio. We've got myself. We've got jiu-jitsu, boxing, all of my coaches. We're all doing our workouts and tutorials that people can see. We've got little extras, you know, like you get a lifetime discount code, which we won't ever give to anyone else again unless you're you're a member. We're going to do monthly giveaways, things like my assigned UFC glove, you know, stuff that um, fans, if you like, and, and people that support me would want to be a part of. Um, free shipping. There's going to be all these little benefits. And the idea is we're just trying to build that kind of loyalty and trust, you know, someone that will say like, okay, you know, Respect to that kid, you know, I'm buying his stuff, but he's giving back. So, you know, that's what we're trying to do. Hopefully it's going to work. Um, and, yeah, I'm just trying to use my brain as much as I can because, as I say, if I sit around too long, I just start um, overthinking and overanalyzing things. And, you know, it's, it's best for me to keep busy. Um, guys, I'm just going to move over to where the charger is. Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought I heard, like, a noise of, like, doo-doo-doo. Yeah, like, oh, man, we're going to lose him. <laughs> He's got his plug in for his clothing line, then he's like, oh, my oh, phone went no, dead. Go. Oh, oh, bye, guys. How can people get get hold of like either the subscription or clothing line? Is it all just get get in touch with you on the, on the social or look at your social media? Or is there other ways that they can get in touch with the Prospect Apparel stuff? Yeah, so we've got our own site. Um, you'll all see it through my um, social media. And then on the site, there's going to be a um, like a t- uh, like a tab that says Prospect Academy. And then once you click on, that will give you the kind of like right if you want to sign up, etc. And then once you've signed up, you've got all access to it. You know, you'll be able to access it from your phone. 
Um, I've got my, my business partner, who's my friend I grew up with. He does the website. So he's really, really tech savvy with it. You know, they look really, really good. And I think people are going to like it. You know, it's definitely, definitely going to be worth it for people to sign up and join. Um, and yeah, hopefully what we're going to do is create some kind of loyal customers. You know, we want people that are going to ideally be with us now and then in 10 years time still buying our merchandise and, you know, just trying to think of something a little bit different. You know, there's a lot of clothing brands out there and, you know, with me, I don't, it's, it was kind of started off as like a project, but now I'm just trying to plant seeds because, you know, fighting don't last forever. And yeah, yeah, yeah. this knee's been a great example, you know, and if I don't fight, I don't get paid. So I'm just trying to kind of use my brain to set up things and, you know, hopefully that I can fall back on when um, I can't no longer get punched, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking about getting punched, we've got some very big punches fighting uh, the weekend. Uh, and we've got... Yeah. Uh, at the uh, UFC 285, the return of some people would say the greatest of all time in John Jones. Yeah, what are, you, what are your thoughts? You you agree John Jones is the greatest fighter of all time, yeah? Yeah, 100%. Not the best human being, like, because, yeah. you know, we've obviously... I'm going to echo that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, everything that's gone on, you know, I can't sit there and say that. But if we talk just martial arts, I think he's been the most dominant champion you know, he was the youngest champion, um, you know, other than the disqualification loss, which wasn't a loss. He's never been beaten. Um, you know, I know some people say, yes, he did lose to uh, um, Dominic Ray. But, okay, that's opinions, you know. So, um, but yeah, you know, the absolute tear that he was on to go through and beat the legends that he was doing and finishing them at the time, um, you know, for me, 100%, I think he's the, the go. Yeah. So what? What do you, what do you expect from him at heavyweight? Because he was saying in his last kind of like two or three light heavyweight defenses, he was saying he lacked motivation. You know, he was yeah. at the top for so long and he lacked motivation, and that would explain why the likes of Thiago Santos and Dominic Reyes had such close fights with him to the point where some people even believe they beat him. Yeah. Do you do you see after three years off? Oh, do you know what? What kind of John Jones do you see after after three years off? It's a big. It's, it's not just ten pounds like what you've done in stepping up in weight. He's had to kind yeah. of reshape his entire body. Um, how do you think he will be after three years off and moving up to such a different style of weight class? This is it. I don't know um, yeah. because from what I've seen on his Instagram, man, he looks a monster and. Yeah. He was a monster, so, you know, he's a monster now that's just gone packed on a load of weight. I'm sitting there thinking John Jones is going to absolutely tear past Cyril game, but uh, it's the heavyweight division, and obviously he's been out for three years, so it is so hard to tell. It is MMA, and now at the heavyweight division, you know, like, anything could happen, but I would say I'm 70% going that I think John Jones is going to come in and make it look easy. I think he's going to come in absolutely smash it and people are going to be like, yep, yeah, he's the go. But in the same breath, I'm like, I can see him coming in and getting knocked out. You know, it's... Yeah. It's MMA, isn't it? Yeah. You don't know. Yeah, Three years off way. is a long time. I, am, I would never, ever go near betting with this fight. Yeah. Um, if anyone out there is thinking who to bet on, oh, how are you going to bet on that? You know, the guy's been out for three years. He's moved up a weight. Yeah. <sighs> 
I don't know, man. Yeah. It's a tough one. Yeah. And do he's, you think, he's gone that... Oh, go on, Stu. Do, do you think he's going to wrestle? Do you think... Because that the, the smart move would be to, to wrestle Cyril Garn, right? Not to stand and trade, because that's essentially Cyril Garn's strongest point is his, is his kickboxing, right? I think he's going to test the striking and then go for a takedown if um, he needs be. Mm. Because I just think that it's almost like a sense of pride. I think that he's going to think, you know, if I go for a takedown straight away, it's kind of that, oh, you know, maybe you can't handle yourself up at a heavyweight in the striking department. So I think he's going to come out, you know, do what he does best and then kind of use wrestling as a plan B or maybe just mix it up. Um, do you, do you but yeah, I think, I think it's going to be, I think John Jones is going to do it. I think he's going to come in and, and make it look easy, man. But do you, it's... Uh, do you yeah. think ego factors into that then, Nate? Like the fact yeah. that it's like, yeah. well, I'm going to stand and trade first because I don't want anyone yeah. thinking I can't at that weight. Do you think like, because the smart man would be like, well, wrestle him and get it done. You don't get paid for overtime. But you think in all fighters, that yeah. ego is there. That's that's what I think. Because <laughs> even uh, my fight with Josh Reed, where I am, mean, he's absolutely smashing me to pieces. I refuse to take him down because I was like, nope, nope, <laughs> I'm not going out like this. So, you know. As much as I believe in my wrestling and jiu-jitsu and my grappling department, you know, there is that kind of, for me, there is anyway, that element of, nah, let's trade, you know, let's yeah. let's fight. And, um, yeah, obviously that's not smart on my part. Yeah. That's just me being too proud of my, yeah. my striking. What's Brad stuff. Pickett <laughs> screaming at you at that point, mate? <laughs> I think deep down he's the same. I think deep down he's the same, yeah. But he said to me after you why didn't you go for a takedown? And I'm like, hey, listen, I won, didn't I? So, you know, <laughs> leave it at that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do think that John Jones in his head will be thinking, yeah, you know, the striking department. So um, It's interesting you say that because I, I think that is a very risky game to play with Cyril Garn. Yeah. I think Garn, to me, represents a lot of what... Jones struggled with towards the end of his light heavyweight reign. And he can say lack of motivation and all that stuff, which may be true. But when you've got someone that is equal to him in terms of like what, what Jones was able to do so well at light heavyweight was utilize that, that length, that reach, his height, yeah. because he was so much bigger than everyone. And he's still going to have a reach advantage on Cyril Garn, but that's going to be way less than what it would have been at light heavyweight, you know, when he was fighting those guys. And I think that kind of the footwork, the fact that Cyril Garn can move around like a middleweight at times, to me, that speed, that lateral movement, all that kind of stuff. And the fact that he's striking is very, very good. I think represents a real problem for Jones on the feet, but Jones is wrestling. I think Garn couldn't handle that. That's, that's, yeah. that's my thoughts on it. So I yeah, think no, he would I, wrestle soon, but it'd be really interesting to see them strike each other. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think maybe maybe I'm fanboying Jones. You know, mm. for me, he I always say I think he's the greatest of all time. As much as I, I don't think much of him outside, um, yeah, I just don't see it, man. I'm like, I'm gonna be a fanboy and say I'm I'm backing Jones on this one, but I won't be surprised if you know he he gets um. You can't get hit by that guy, man, that heavyweight, can you? Let's be honest. So I, I read something this week that John Jones said he's not watched any tape of Cyril Garn. Um, he's not interested. Um, he, yeah. wa- he wants to be scared uh, when he gets in there. Like, well, I mean, is that just chat? Do you think he, he's obviously going to have watched something, right? So I agree with the 
uh, you like to be nervous because I like to be nervous before a fight. It keeps you kind of firing on all, all cylinders. I would say that what he's done is he's seen his fights before and he's just not overanalyzing it, which is exactly what I do. You know, I see my opponent, let's say Leroy Murphy. I looked up his fights, I watched his fight, and then that's it. I'm not watching anymore because I don't want to overthink anything. And what I want to do is I want to try to listen to my coaches. So, you know, I want them to basically be the guys to go and look at tape and I'll be the guinea pig. You know, you tell me what I've got to do and that's it. Because I think if you obsess over what your opponent's going to do, it kind of takes away what you're going to do. But no, 100% he's going to have seen his fights. But yeah, I don't, I wouldn't have thought that he's sitting there, you know, watching tape daily. Yeah. Um, because as I say, I, I don't do that. But, you know, John Jones is going to know, obviously, what he's what he's bringing to the table. And he's obviously going to see his fights in the past. So, um, yeah, maybe he's just egging that on a bit, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, another thing that could be chat, uh, which I wanted to get your opinion on, is something Cyril Garn said recently, where he said something along the lines of, I don't train outside of fight camps. I just, I do the fight camps, I go away. And then I come back for fight camps and I train again. Is that chatting shit or is that? Heavyweights have got it so easy, man. That's <laughs> a, that might be a heavyweight thing. Because us smaller guys know I have a week off. But th- I love this. So, you know, I, I always say to myself, when it's fight week, you're like, all I want to do is have a break. You know, I've had enough of this. The week of the fight, I'm like, man, I want to go and get a job. You know, I've, I've had enough of this. And then regardless of the result, as soon as you've had that fight, I love this. This is what I live for. The next day, I want to be back in the gym. You know, usually my coaches have to say, Nate, go and have a rest. Go and have a break. Um, but yeah, if he's not training, I kind of believe it. You know, I believe because I think a lot of fighters don't actually enjoy the sport. They don't actually enjoy fighting. You know, we've got guys that never turn up for sparring. And it's like, as damaging as sparring is, I love sparring, man. You know, that's the best day of the week. That's the fun part. Um but yeah, heavyweights have got it easy, man. They can be they can be lazier, you know. They yeah, is, is they don't have to cut of... weight like we do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe he does. Maybe he just goes home and chills out. But again, I don't know why you would why you'd want to do that because surely you you enjoy the sport. Um, but yeah, whatever he's doing, he's doing something right. So. Yeah. <laughs> but is there a risk of That's like something. that? Because what you hear about is that. When you're doing a fight camp, you're training for a specific opponent, but it's between the fight camps that you grow as a martial artist, that you can fix holes in your game, that Mm -hmm. are not about the person you're against. It's all about you, that time between fight camps. If he's missing that, is that not quite an integral thing in terms of his growth? Yeah, 100%. You know, you don't... If my coach said to me today, right, Nath, we're going to practice 360 spinning flying kicks... I'd be sitting there thinking, why? The guy I'm fighting is a grappler, let's say. You know, why am I going to do that? But then out of camp, that's when you can play. That's when you can evolve as a fighter. You know, the fight is, right, let's get you fit. Let's get the best Nathaniel Wood you can be on fight night. We're going to get you ready for Lerone Murphy, and that's it. We're not getting you ready for Ryan Hall. We're not getting you ready for Ilya Chapora. You know, it's Lerone Murphy. That's who we've got. Then after the fight, cool, let's practice with some southpaw stuff, let's change stance, let's do elbows, let's do knees. And that's when you evolve as a fighter. And if I'm honest, that's the fun part. You know, the fight camps are are serious. That's where it's like, okay, this is a professional, this is a business now. Um, Yeah, out of camp for me, that's the fun part where we get to play and just... Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Practice it, man, and not worry so much. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. If, if that's whatever whatever's he's doing is working, obviously, because um, he's one of the best fighters on the planet. But yeah, you know, I, I definitely will be training when, when I'm not in fight camp. Love it. Well, so, did do you we want to predict who is going to have it? We've heard from Nathaniel Wood who he thinks is going to go. He's going John Jones. Uh, how? I also think. Is, is, oh, what, on, how, the distance? How, how do you think John Jones wins? Nate. Oh, me. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that was a, we're terrible hosts. This is something you're going to realize. We'll talk round in circles and we're terrible hosts. You won't know I what's going think, on. I think that he's going to win via TKO. Mm. Referee stopping. Mm. Is that from a ground and pound situation? Yes, correct. I, I can sort of see something like that happening as well. But I can also see a really cagey fight on the feet at points and it could be a bit of a... Because I think they're both defensively very good at points. This is the other thing. I hope it's not boring. If it goes to decision, I have a feeling that it's going to be a snooze fest where they're just yeah. not, you know, both of them are respecting each other too yeah. much. Yeah. So, I think that's possible. I really hope. I'm staying up for this one. So if I'm staying up for it, it's got to be exciting. <laughs> yeah. Stu, Stu, is it uh, three, three of us thinking John Jones is going to win or are you going to go guard? I'm trying to think of a time when John Jones got rocked and I can't even think. Like, even, like, against Gustafsson, like, you know, he got hit with some big shots, but he never looked in trouble. And I don't know if it's going to, you know, if Cyril Garn hits that much harder than, than, than those light heavyweights, I'm not sure. But I just can't, I can't picture in my head John Jones losing a fight. I just can't. Because, uh, you know, to, to echo what they've said, it's like, you know he's he's the greatest, and yeah, I've I've got to go with Jones. I think Jones will maybe 
mess around with some striking early doors, but I think he'll then just just get involved in a bit more rough and tumble and uh, and take him down. And, yeah, and I think we'll, we'll get. I think it could potentially, again, to sort of echo what's been said, I think it could end up being a little bit of a bore fest uh, in the later rounds. But be interested to see what John Jones' cardio is like um, uh, yeah. uh, that way as well. So there's so many things. Um, I'll, I'll lean towards John Jones, but there's so many things because he's been out for so long and he's coming back as a heavyweight. It's it's a real tough one to call. Yeah, clean sweep for John Jones. Um, co-main event is long-reigning champ Valentina Shevchenko against Alexa Grosso. Um, here's something I wanted to ask you, Nath. After last week's card, um, Aaron Blanchfield beat uh, Jessica Andrade in uh, a really dominant fashion. And a lot of people have kind of gone, oh, I really just want to see Blanchfield versus Valentina now. I don't, I don't really care about the Grasso fight anymore. Is that really disrespectful to Grasso? Or do you go, well, look, I mean, <laughs> who's Grasso beat compared to Blanchfield yeah. beating Jessica Andrade? Yeah, if, if I was there, I would, I would date that as a bit of disrespect, but yeah, that's the fight people want to see. And I'm just going to say it now. I think Valentina Shoshenko all day. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Well, that's that done then. No, that's no, <laughs> <laughs> over just quick. I think she's the, the female goat, man. She's just yeah. sick. Just 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 seeing the evolution of of, of women's MMA and and seeing people like Shevchenko and 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 in the UK you know people like Molly like becoming you know super <coughs> super famous household names. Tell us a little bit about uh, how things are going at, at at GB Top Team as well because the gym looks incredible. We've not had a chance to get down and have a look at it yet, but it, it looks amazing, um, mate. Tell us you know is, is the female uh, MMA scene uh, at the gym growing? Yeah, it's massive, mate. Honestly, we've now got Dan Hardy's wife down, um, Veronica. Mm-hmm. She's down. She's been training with the girls. We've got a girl who is... Um, I've, I've forgotten her name now. We put you on another, the spot. Another UFC, another UFC fight. I was down the other day. I've completely forgotten her name. Shit. Oh, um, <laughs> Angela Hill. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Angela yeah, Hill yeah. was there. Oh, yeah. oh, we've had her on the show. Sorry, yeah, she's actually. great. Yeah. Mate, I do get punched in the head for a living. So, <laughs> you know, that's the best um, excuse for anything. It was our anniversary, Nate. I get punched in the head for a living. What do you want from me? <laughs> yeah. And I think I think these girls are coming down because they, they know we've got a good team of girls, of, of, of females, you know. And we've, we've got a girl called Chanel Dyer. And, mate, she is going to be a world champion. Wow. She was hitting me the other day, like when I wasn't injured, and I was thinking, "Fuck this!" You know, these <laughs> girls, man. I'm like, okay, I've got to turn it up now. You know, she's hitting me harder than a lot of the boys are. She's flyweight. Um, she used to train with uh, uh, Christian Knowles. Um, she's down now, um, but in regards to the striking department, she's been doing taekwondo. I think since she was like nine, she's got more belts than I've ever seen in my life. Um, so yes, no one was fighting her. They're just trying to get her a fight. It's been near on impossible, but finally she has been matched. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely keep a name out for her. Um, and yeah, we've got loads of girls, you know, honestly, I think the other day there was about 12 on the mat, all the same way, all professional, all trying to take this on as a career. So, um, you know, it's obviously a big change from what it was, I don't know, five years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Back to... Shevchenko and, and, and Grasso, I mean, 
is there in from from looking at it for me i i feel like it feels slightly disrespectful but valentina's just so good that i just yeah. look at that entire flyweight division other than maybe erin blanchfield now and go where is the problem coming from? She's just got so many skills in so many areas. And I look at Grasso and she's on like a four fight win streak, which is great. Uh, but her best win is uh, Arujo, who's also on this, this card, who I think is ranked about eighth. It's like, uh-huh. she's not beaten like a, uh, 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 what, like a Jessica Andrade, for example, There's someone that's like that in that top three or something like that. And I know that she's got good boxing, but, the only thing I can sort of see beating Valentina Shevchenko at the moment is her own age, because I think she's very close to being 35. And we look at these lower weight classes, like, like bantamweights, flyweights, stuff like that. Age is, is a factor because speed is so important in those weight classes. Yeah. It seems she is nearly 35 now. And we saw in the Tyler Santos fight, maybe that could be creeping up on her. I mean, it could have just been that Santos had a great fight, even though Valentina still won. Is that is that a factor to 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 think about Valentina getting up there in age, or do you think it doesn't matter about the age? She's just levels above. Yeah, I think she's levels above the age thing. I'm like, I can't comment because I'm not that old yet. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it obviously there's a point where it creeps up on you. And I think there's always a point where, and this could be the John Jones thing, is there's a dominant champion and there's usually that downfall. There's that time where they come unstuck, that kind of Ronda Rousey. Um, but I just don't see her losing, man. You know, maybe again, I'm fanboy. I don't see John Jones losing and I, and I don't I don't see um, Shevchenko losing and... I could be wrong, man. This is MMA, isn't it? It's a beautiful sport, so it's got the you-never-know-what's-going-to-happen feel to it, but no, I, I can't see her losing. I mean, we all were saying the same thing when uh, Juliana Pena was taking on Amanda Nunes in that first fight. We were like, Pena's never got a chance in this fight. And then yeah. look what happened. I mean, obviously, Nunes was able to right the wrong in the rematch, but these things can happen, as you say. These yeah. things can happen. I think as well that it's not always the age, it's how much damage you've taken. And... I don't mean in fights, it's in training. You know, the things that happen behind closed doors that no one knows about. Are you sparring every single day? I know myself, I've eased back on the sparring because I used to go live hard almost every day. Now it's like, okay, I want a long career, you know, because once that chin's gone, you know, it all goes downhill from there and you've only got one one shot at this. So, um, yeah, we, we never know what she's doing behind closed doors. But I can imagine that she's smart with it. You know, I imagine she's got a good team around her. And, you know, they're, they're guiding her to, to train how she should be training. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, someone that's been very vocal about pulling back on sparring is uh, is Max Holloway. He was talking a lot about it. And he's someone that gets into a lot of wars in the cage. Yeah. And obviously his next fight is a big one against our mate Arnold Allen. Um, just throwing you on the spot here. How do you, how do you think that one goes? Do you, do you, I mean, we like to think that Arnold's going to win that. and But Max is so good. He's, I know that he got he lost to Volk three times, but he's Max is so is, good. Do you do you think Arnold can do it? Is it a main event? I yeah. think it's a main five event. Round. I think it's a fight night five round main event. Hey, I think Arnold's going to knock him out. Yeah, man. Yes, <laughs> yes. Arnie, 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 All respect Arnie, to Max, but yes, I, I know Arnie. I've sparred with him a couple of times, and from what I've heard from other people, he hits like a truck, man. 
And I've seen him hit. He hits very hard. And I do think that Max is now going to start to deteriorate. I think he has been at his top. And now it's kind of going down. And I do think Arnie's on his way up. So, yeah, I'm rooting for Arnie, obviously. And I just think he's going to, you know, what he did to Dan Hooker. I think it's going to be the same. Devastating. I think it's going to be the same. So... That's my Come opinion. on, Arnold. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it, Arnie. Let's go. Love it. Right. Um, this moves me on to the fight that I think I know I'm super excited about Jones coming back, but I do have problems with him personally, as I think we've all kind of mentioned from kind of a, the human being standpoint and all the allegations and stuff that have been done against him and all that kind of stuff. So that sort of dampens the excitement for me a little bit. A fight yeah. that I am super excited about is Shavkat Rachmanov versus Jeff Neal. Because Shavkat has been sort of seen as like the next coming of Hamzat Shemaev, the next yeah. guy. Everyone's like, if Hamzat can make 170 and get that belt, we want to see him fight Shavkat. That's going to be like the pinnacle of welterweight fights. Like That's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on, on, on someone like Shavkat? Have you been keeping a little bit of an eye on him? And, and are you aware of the hype? Or is he someone that sort of passed you by a little bit? Yeah, so I've known him as the kind of Hamza Chemaev without as much hype. You know, yeah. so he's undefeated. Um, you know, from what I've seen of his fights, he's a beast. So, yeah, I'm kind of on that hype train now. I think he's going to do it. Um, and, yeah, I'm kind of... Hoping that the Chimaya fight that all, that can all happen, um, and he's like a scary dude, man. He's like no emotion, you know. Just no, I know, yeah. Just a scary looking dude. So yeah, I think he's another um, freak of nature. I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna be a force to reckon with. You always got to be careful of the guys that wear furry hats in their post fight yeah. interviews, haven't you? When, <laughs> yeah. if, they, if they wear a furry hat in the post fight interview, you got to be really careful. Even Brendan Allen, an American, last night beat Andre Muniz, Muniz, which we might talk about later because that blew me away. I thought Muniz was going to be like one of the next guys at middleweight, and that that was a very surprising thing. But these guys in the furry hats, man, be care, beware the men in the furry hats. Well, you know that they're bare skin and they've probably killed that bear. They've wrestled it, then <laughs> killed it. <laughs> they wrestled it, <laughs> choked it out, and that's it. That's now it's on their heads. But yeah, um, Stu, you look like you were about to say something there. Um, you mentioned that he's, you know, he's, he's completely void of emotion and that when you see it in his face, he, he looks, he looks terrifying. I'm always interested to know, mate, when you, you know, you're on media day and you're on Wayne's and, and you get called in for the face off and, you know, people give it that, well, it looks straight into their soul. Like, what, can you see fear in people's eyes? Like, what, what's your experience and how do you play it when you, you go for that stare down? So I do see nerves. But in the same sense, I think my opponents and nerves are like mine. Hey, we don't want to lose. You know, I've never been scared of an opponent. You know, I've never gone in and gone, oh, shit, this guy's going to this gonna be doing some damage to potentially, or I could get knocked out, I could get this. I've never worried about any of that. I worry about, okay, if I lose, I only get paid half. You know, cool, if I don't win this fight, you know, how many would I have to fight again to get the UFC belt? That You know, you don't want that bump in the hurdle. Um I've never been scared of an actual opponent, a man as such, and I don't think my opponents have ever been scared of me like that. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's just kind of the way I look at it. You know, when, I'm, when I go up for my face-offs, I'm usually thinking, what eye shall I look in whilst I'm looking at the guy? So that's usually what's going through my head. Um, and when I was paying to Bantamweight, I was usually just thinking about what I was going to have for dinner that night. So, uh, 
I've got to be honest. <laughs> well, look, back, back to the fight. I actually, I did some research, propping up my invisible glasses there, and, uh, you know, tried to get my best kind of Dan Hardy head on as I was kind of looking at these, these fighters in Jeff Neal and Shavka. And one thing that I found really interesting about, uh, about Shavkat, especially considering all the comparisons there are to Hamzat Shumayev, is that he's way more of a striker than Hamzat mm-hmm. Shumayev. He throws flying knees and spinning attacks and all that kind of stuff. And in the four UFC fights he's had, uh, he's 16-0, and 0, by the way, and he's on a four-fight win streak in the UFC. Never seen a third round either um, in, in those uh, four UFC fights. But I've never seen him shoot for a takedown. Like he gets his takedowns via like body locks and trips, or mm-hmm. like um, a mistake, like in the Neil Magny fight. Magny threw a kick which he caught, and he was able to take him over, and then just kind of be on top of him, or he'll knock someone down and get on top of him. And his ground game, he seems to have really heavy pressure, good ground and pound, great submissions and stuff like that. But he's never really shooting for the takedown, which is very different to like. Hamza, who just wants to seem to like pick you up and ragdoll you and stuff like that. Is what is that kind of like a try? Is there something in the kind of like early training? So I know that he's like a combat sambo champion and stuff as well. Is there like something in that where he's done a very different form of wrestling, where he's taking you down from body locks and trips and stuff like that, as opposed to shooting for a double or a single leg? I would say it's just that he's more confident in his striking. You know, Hamza Chimaev obviously can strike, but he's grappling way, way more superior than he's striking. Hence why he's going for the shot, you know, going for his takedowns. Um, Even myself, you know, I never really shoot for a takedown. You know, you'll have to find one on footage. I don't think I've really ever gone for one. And if I have, I probably messed it up. Um, I get get mine from my trips because I'm confident in my striking. Yes, we can go for the the, the takedown. We can grapple on the floor. But, you know, I'll usually kind of wait until it's given to me because shooting for a takedown is hard work. You know, if you go for a double leg takedown, the guy stuffs it or, you know, it's it's a lot of energy, especially to try and pick someone up. For me, if you can get a little trip or something like that, it's easy. So I imagine it's a similar outlook like that. Whereas Hamza Tamayev, you know, he knows that if he gets hold of you, that's it, fight's over. So why wouldn't he shoot him for a takedown? Um, So, yeah, I would just say it's where he's striking better than he's grappling, maybe, you know. And he's like, I don't need to take you down. But if I can get a takedown, then then I will. That that sort of feeling, maybe. And that's how I look at it. Yeah. I think this would be a really exciting fight as well. Because I think Jeff Neal wants this to play out on the feet. Jeff Neal's obviously got like good boxing. He's got heavy hands, and he, like in the, he he fought the likes of like Bilal Muhammad, and and uh, even though Bilal was able to kind of get him down, Jeff Neal was popping straight back up to his feet, and that seems to be like a good attribute of Jeff Neal. I think it's hard to control him on the ground. I mean, has he fought someone with the top pressure of like a? Uh, uh, Shavkat, I, I don't know. I mean, he was able yeah. to do it against Bilal Mohammed, But I think we could actually be seeing a way more... Because like, I think going into it, Shavkat would be the favourite by a long, long way. And I would put, pick Shavkat to win. But I think we might actually see a more exciting fight than people think. So I think it will play out on the feet. And that's where Jeff Neal wants it. And I think that we might actually see a little bit of back and forth here and just... Really, this this might be the toughest test that Shavkat's had, and if he comes through it like he's come through Magni and these other fighters, 
I think the hype is 100% real. But if Jeff gives him some problems, which he may very well do, then maybe we have to pump the brakes a little bit on yeah. on how highly we think of, of Shavkat. Stu, Stu what, what do you think? Are you, are you going for a Shavkat win? 100%. 100%. Like 16 and up, that ain't going to go, mate. I'm telling you, he's, he's, he's got the win. 100%. All right, Jeff Neal. But uh, Shavkat, that, 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 there's a reason there's all that hype. And I think it's, uh, yeah, I rate him. Are you doing the same, Nate? Is it three of us going for Shavkat? Yeah. yeah. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look, I mean, we, 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 we've had you on, uh, we, we're aware of time, uh, Nate. What, what are the fights, uh, Blake, that you want to touch on, like just looking through the, 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 the card? I'd Mate, really love it's mad that Cody Garbrandt's a premium fighter. Crazy, right? Oh, that's good. We'll talk about that. Is, is Cody Garbrandt someone that you've liked his career, you respected? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's had a mad career because he went storming up, put on this like unbelievable performance against Dominic Cruz. Yeah. And then it's just really taken a huge yeah. nosedive, isn't it? So how do you feel about Cody Garbrandt? The only thing I can think, I remember Brad, my coach, said to me once, the first time he got knocked out, it was a chink in his armour. And that chink in his armour, every time he walked into the fight, he was now thinking about getting knocked out or getting hurt. And it threw him off. So I'm kind of thinking, you know, he lost to the, the Dillashaw fight. Maybe just since then, it just, oh, I'm not invincible. Okay, maybe I'm not as good as I thought. Because, man, when he like when he beat Dominic Cruz and he was doing all the flamboyant, he was oh, the man. Amazing. I, I was following his career. And, you know, he joined the UFC and just smashed guys. And then it all just kind of went downhill. So it's heartbreaking. Mate, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Cody Garbrandt. You know, I, I like the guy. You know, um, so yeah, I really hope he, he does the business. Um, but yeah, it's weird seeing him on a prelim, man. You know, it is. I mean, what, what's what's your sort of stance on, on, on things when you see like because Cody's <clears throat> had some some nasty KOs. I mean, did, was it Rob Font? Did Rob Font stop him, uh, or did that go? That I'm trying to remember. Who, who there was about? I think there was two. Pretty nasty knockouts, for, for, yeah. And like, and, uh, and and there was talk, wasn't there? You know, of like, right, you know, does 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 Cody hang up his gloves? Like, what what are your views on like when you see fighters having like you know two, three, four like nasty finishes? Like, is that time? I mean, you, just to echo what you said about yeah. Brad, then is that? Do you then, you know, if you're the manager, do you go, right, look, you know, you need to have a look at this, like, you know. Yeah, so I think there's always the case of, okay, it's money. You know, I know Brad at the end of his career was kind of a bit more like, look, I'm not doing it for enjoyment anymore. It's, you know, it's my job. Um, the health aspect, you know, I would obviously, the first thing I would do as a coach is I would say, look, let's get some brain scans. Let's get a doctor's opinion. And if the doctor says you're fine, then my first question would be, like, are you enjoying it? If you're enjoying it, carry on, man. Why stop? You know, I had um, a guy that I was training not long ago. He's an amateur fighter. He was uh, 39 years old. He's had eight amateur fights. And he's only doing it because he enjoys it, right? And he had two or three losses on the trot, even though they were quite close fights, that sort of thing. And he was all down in the dumps. And, and I said to him, I, went, I mean, I don't know what to do. And I said, listen, mate. I said, are you, are you enjoying this? Do you enjoy training? Do you enjoy the process? And he went, I love it. And why are you going to stop then? Because it's not your job. You're not getting paid to do it. You're not getting hurt, you know, you're not getting badly knocked out and your wife saying, you know, it's, please stop, it's killing me. Why stop if, if you're enjoying it? What, because people are going to laugh that you've had a couple of losses on the trial? Who gives a shit? Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, if the doctor's giving him the thumbs up saying, like, you've got R, okay, 
he's earning good money from it. If he's enjoying it, man, keep going. You know, fuck what the record says and stuff. And, you know, it is it. I guess there's a certain level of pride. You know, you're going to be like, oh, you know, it was four losses on the chart. It's embarrassing. But if you're not getting hurt and you're earning good money and you're coming home and you're enjoying the process, you know, what would you rather do? Quit and then go and sit in a pub every night? You know, it's, that's the way I look at it. You know, if you're... Well, a fight that I'd really love to talk about is a late-notice replacement in uh, Mateus Gamrot stepping in for Dan Hooker, uh, former guest of the show. He, he, I think, broke his hand or has injured himself somewhere. So Dan Hooker's out of the fight with Jalen Turner and Mateus Gamrot has stepped in. And, I mean, Gamrot's coming in on about two weeks' notice and it's a completely different stylistic fight for Jalen Turner because... Obviously, Dan Hooker, kickboxer. We all know what Dan Hooker's about. Gamrot is one of these guys. You see him in that Armand Sarukian fight, in the Benil Dariush fight, when he absolutely just mauled Jeremy Stevens. This guy is like a cardio kind of wrestling machine. He chains takedowns together, all that kind of stuff. But Jalen Turner himself is six foot three at lightweight, and he's a very good kickboxer. From your perspective, Naif, who's got the hardest job here? Is it Gamrock coming in on two weeks' notice, maybe not having the cardio and facing someone that's six foot, six foot three who you're like, when do you ever get a six foot three lightweight? Or is it Jalen Turner who's been preparing for weeks and weeks and weeks to fight Dan Hooker and then he gets someone completely different and I'd say way more dangerous in Mateus Gamrock? Who's got the hardest job, Gamrock or Turner? If Gamrot's been training, then I think Turner's got the hardest job yep. because his training has been specific for someone else, whereas Gamrot's hasn't necessarily been. But none of us know how hard he's been training. So, you know, as we said earlier with Cyril Gann, you know, uh, if he's been training like a beast out of um, fight camp, yeah, go and jump on a fight two weeks. What's, what's, you know, what's the difference between Turner fighting him? But the only thing is now Turner's been obviously training for someone specific. So now... I would say disadvantage is with his is with him um, if Gamrot's got the gas tank. So uh, yeah, I guess only time will tell with that one. And I imagine that he has got the gas tank. So I don't think you'd take a fight on two weeks' notice. Um, yeah, usually you can't make weight on two weeks' notice unless you have been training pretty solidly. Yeah, and he's 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 ranked above Jalen Turner. He's three places above him. He's ranked tenth. Turner. Uh, he's ranked seventh. Turner's ranked. Uh, so you would think taking a fight on two weeks' notice against the guy behind you, I know he's coming off a loss, but that's a bit of a risk. So he must be backing himself on this one. And his game is so about just cardio, chaining those takedowns. I mean, yeah. watching him fight Sarukian was just, I mean, I... Did you watch that fight, by the way? No. 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 But did, did you watch his Benil Dariush fight? No. I, if I'm honest, I, I don't keep up to date, really, unless the guys are either my way or the kind of the fanboy John Jones yeah. you know yeah. I'm not I'm not the best with keeping up to date with them and I see the results I keep up to date yeah. in that sense but actually watching the tape you know I uh, I can't stay up at night man it's too late for well, me I mean I, and, and look I, I totally get that because I, I just yeah, generally record it and watch it in the morning and stuff like that because it is just too late at night for me but I can't not look at my phone in the morning and once I've seen the results uh, I want to watch the fight do you know what no, I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, that's the thing. I, I don't look at my phone. Yeah, yeah see, I, I can't I do never it. Look at I'm, my addic- 
I'm an addict, mate. I'm one of these. <laughs> I'm one of these twenty-year-olds that's addicted to his phone. I've done it the other day. I picked up my phone and I'm. I'm like, what am I doing? I, I didn't even pick it up. I'm just looking while I'm talking to the missus, and yeah. it's poison, man. Them think when my career is done, I'm getting away from it. You know, I'm coming off social media, and because I can't look look at my phone within twenty minutes, and then I've seen the results. I'll get a text from someone saying, "Oh, did you see the results?" You know, well, I, I totally understand that, and I'm someone that. Because for, for work, I feel like I need the social media side of things a little bit as well. Yeah. But I will sometimes post and then delete the apps off my phone. So I've still got my accounts, but yeah. I delete the apps off my phone and just leave it for a while and then re-download them a few days later or something like that. Because my, my thumb almost works. It's like it's got a mind of its own. It'll go yeah. to the Instagram app without me even wanting to go there. I want to check emails, but the thumb's yeah. like, no, let's do this. Let's check so this imagine, thing. Imagine this, right? Um, McGregor versus Aldo, right? I was like, right, I am not going on my phone. I'm watching this the next day. I picked my phone up. All I wanted to do was check the time. I wasn't going on anything. And the first message I've seen is, oh, my God, 13 seconds. McGregor, <laughs> oh, no. Done. That's it. So I was like, you're lying. I literally put the telly on. I, I don't think it said McGregor or Aldo who won. And I was like, 13 seconds in. I know something's happening. Um and all, mate, all I wanted to do was look at the time. You know, I woke up, well, what is the time? I'll quickly check and then go and put it on and fucking group chat ruined me. Mate, that's awful. I feel really bad for you. <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's fitting that you, you, you've mentioned him and, and it'd be silly not to ask. How do you see that going, McGregor, Michael Chandler? Again, man, I, I don't know. This, this is one where I am just like... What's McGregor been doing the last couple of years? You know, is yeah. he training? Is he training hard? He says he's like, you know, I'm coming. I think I saw something the other day where he said he's now better than he was. Um, I don't think I can see it. You know, I think it's, I think he's gone past that now. I think he's an absolute phenomenal athlete, but I think he's a businessman now, you know. And um, I think Ch- Michael Chandler's going to do it. Kyle? Interesting. I don't know, but I hope McGregor does. I really do hope McGregor does because he's great for the sport and I love watching him in, and on an entertainment level. But I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I can't. Don't ask me. Don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> what do you well, guys think? Oh, I, I think all the questions about where Connor's at and where he's at. I mean, obviously, recovering from that leg, nasty leg injury is going to be a big factor as well. I think that Chandler, you talked about ego earlier. Chandler has got unbelievable wrestling, but he doesn't use it very often in the UFC. He um, he did a little bit against Poirier, but things still didn't work out well for him. But I think Chandler is someone that just loves being this all action I'm your, whether I win or lose, I'm one of your favourite fighters to watch. And I mean, he's been unbelievably exciting since coming to the UFC. And I think there might be a little bit of an ego thing of him because if he just wrestles Conor McGregor, I think people will go, well, yeah, I mean, but Conor's not the Conor he was and these wrestling's yeah. not been a bit. And I think there might be an ego thing with Chandler where he goes, if I knock out Conor McGregor, it's massive for me. It's massive for his legacy. It's massive for him potentially getting a title shot off the back of it. All of these things. And I think he could play the boxing game with Connor. And even if he lands, he, he could knock Connor out. But Connor, I think, is way better at with just his precision 
in his boxing and all that stuff than Michael Chandler. And I think that could play into Connor's hands. So I, I, I think it depends on what Michael Chandler turns out. If Michael Chandler goes, I just want to win, and he wrestles him and uses that part of his game, I think he'll win. But if he goes out there just to have a slugfest with Connor, one of them's going to sleep in the first round, I reckon. So it okay, could so be either you, of them. You've got a gun to your head now. You've got to pick one. Oh, to win? Chandler. Yeah. Chandler. Oh! <laughs> but it's hard it's hard I don't know which one it's, uh, it's hard right? it's a tricky but, um, one it is, isn't it? neither of them are in boring fights ever <laughs> no so it's, it's going to be great yeah it's going to be it's going to be very very entertaining um, in terms of wrapping up the main card Bo Nichols fighting Jamie Pickett now I don't have a lot to say about this fight because it's Bo Nichols first UFC fight he had two um, Dana White contender series fights and stuff like that um, and he's touted particularly by Americans as the hottest prospect in MMA at the moment. He's got some kind of, I don't understand the kind of collegiate wrestling thing. I know it's a big deal. Uh, and I know it means you're very, very good. He's got all the accolades when it comes to that bone nickel. But one thing I wanted to ask you is what, when you're looking at this and you're seeing a guy doing his first ever UFC fight and he's on the main card, and on the prelims, you've got people like Derek Brunson, who's ranked fifth in the rankings in, at middleweight, or Arujo versus Hebas in the flyweight women's division, where it's at eight versus 15. And they're on the prelims. And you've got a guy making his UFC debut on the main card. Is there an element of kind of disrespect about that? Are you okay with that? Do you go, yeah, fair play, because he's got a big name from something else? Or are you like... No, that is out of order. You should have the ranked guys there and he should be on the prelims because he's making his debut. So, yes, I would be pissed off. I was a bit pissed off when I had so the London fight that got cancelled. I think I was on the second fight. And I was a bit like, man, I'm the only Londoner on the card and we have people in front of me. But, OK, I get it, you know, uh, Paddy Pimlet. Meatball Molly. So I'm like, I've had more fights than he's got. I'm the Londoner. Why aren't I on it? But I do get it. From a business level, it makes sense. Why are the UFC going to put their the big names? Because I, I know I'm only a, a small fish in a big pond. And yeah, even though I know for a fighter, I would be pissed. I, I get it from the business perspective. So it's a kind of catch-22 on that one. You know, it does annoy me when it is me, but... I understand it. So, um, yeah. (laughs) And I think that's absolutely fair enough. I mean, I think, again, he's a bigger deal for the Americans. I think the rest of us, the Europeans, are like, well, I've heard of this bow nickel. I know everyone's making a big deal about him, but I don't care about college wrestling that much. That doesn't make him a star to me. Like like Paddy seemed to be like, like, as Stu mentioned uh, earlier before we started pressing record about the fact that Paddy was a co-main event in like his fourth or third UFC fight. And there's a lot of people that will be ranked going, how the hell is he a co-main event? But he's transcended. His personality is so captivating that people are really interested in him. Bo doesn't seem to have that. He's just got the credentials from the wrestling side of things. So I think anyone outside of America might go, what the hell is this about? But, the Americans, and that's usually what the UFC is tailored towards. It's tailored towards the Americans. They're the ones that, that think Bo's a really big deal. Um, the last fight I'm uh, overly keen on, on kind of talking about is Derek Brunson versus Drickus Duplessis. Uh, does anyone have any thoughts on that? Because I think, Nate, you sort of mentioned you didn't even know who Drickus was. 
No, and but that's... I've thrown you under the bus there, mate. Yeah, that, mate, honestly, because I don't keep up to date too much with the bigger guys, as I say, except for the kind of the, the, yeah, the, the yeah. John Jones, you know, your, your usual kind of casual names. Um, and, mate, I'm, I'm my own worst enemy. You know, Brad will say that, mate, you need to watch more fights. And I'm like, I know, but I can't stay up late. And in the morning, I look at my phone and I've seen the results and then, you know... I don't want to watch it once I've seen them. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't really comment on that fight. You know, I know Derek Bronson, but yeah, I don't want to comment when I when I don't really know the other guy, and I don't I mean that in any disrespect. But hey, I get, I bet he doesn't know me. So yeah, yeah. If he I sees think it's this, really interesting. I bet, that, he, I bet he don't follow me on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> he I should, mean, and he should get the clothing line. So he should get the prospects apparel as well. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's really interesting that because you just—I I said to Blake before you, you, you jumped in on the call, Nate. Uh, I was like, we just presume that that fighters are you know know yeah. every single fighter in every single organisation, and it's like, of course they don't. They're busy training. They've got their yeah. own careers to worry about. You can't be going right. What's going on in that way? I need to keep an eye on every single fight in that. It's like you ain't gonna have the time to do that. There is, mate. There's so many cards now. There's a card on like every week. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Um, so yeah, I generally struggle and I, I sit, I struggle to sit still, you know, if I start watching fights, I get a fight or two in, I'm like, right, you know, I'm going to gamble the dog or something. Um, mate, on that note, I've got you charged on my iPad, but it says 1% is still going down. So if it cuts out, well, that's, yeah. Do you know what, Nate? Why don't we say bye to you now? Cause we can carry on talking about this. Okay. I know you're not, but right. We've loved having you on. Thank Absolutely, you so much mate. for coming on. It's so nice to have like a professional's insight into the fights and everything that's going on. And we're just wishing you all the best of luck. Hopefully the injury uh, is you'll recover from that really quick. And we, we really want to see you in there, mate. Absolutely. No, thank, thank you very much for having me, guys, as always. It's, uh, Absolute pleasure. Best of luck with recovery, Knife. Thanks, mate. Cheers, mate. See you guys soon. All the best, man. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, that wow. was uh, legend Nathaniel Wood. We love uh, Nathaniel on the show. He was one of our first guests that we had on. So if you haven't listened to uh, to that interview with him, it might have been like within the first few that we did, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go and yeah. check that out because Nathaniel, as you heard, he knows what he's talking about. He's a great chat. Uh, and this was back when he was doing that horrible cut to, to Bantamweight mm. as well. So hopefully we'll get him back on at some point soon. Um, as is the case of any guests that, that do come on the first time they come on um, we do a deep yep. dive into their career so if this was your first time listening then then go and check out um, our first chat with Nate because we go into how he got into combat sports how we met Brad Pickett our Brad Pickett's obviously his, 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 his trainer and it's it's a really really yep. sort of lovely deep dive into to mindset and, and, and everything that you know a fighter goes through and, uh, and how that journey began so yeah definitely go back and, and, and check that chat with Nate yeah, and to uh, to finish up on this card, I mean, uh, Derek Brunson, Drickus Stupacy on the prelims. Uh, Brun- uh, Brunson is uh, is fifth. Drickus Stupacy is tenth. I feel like we sort of know who Derek Brunson is. As well, you don't uh, know him that well because his name is uh, former guest of the show, Derek Brunson. Of course, former guest yeah. of the show, Derek Brunson. Go and check out that interview. Um, he's you know he's a good wrestler. He's a, a good fighter. He's got some good striking. It's not his main thing. He's mainly a wrestler. Um, but I just, I don't think he's ever going to reach that goal of being like a title contender. 
Um, so he's kind of like that maybe gatekeeper to the top five type guy. That's how I see Brunson anyway. Um, I mean, his last fight was really weird because up, up, until, up until he fought Jared Cannonier, he was on like a four or five fight win streak, but he fought a lot of strikers that he was able to dominate with wrestling. Darren Till, Kevin Holland, uh, Edmund Shabazian, all people he could just dominate. And then Jared Cannonier came along. And he was able to dominate him and nearly finish him in round one. And then it was like he sort of gassed out yeah. or something. Something weird happened to him. And then Cannonier just beat him from pillar to post for the rest of like round two or whatever and got the finish. Um, and when he, I, I, I'm really interesting to see if Derek's, if that's going to become a pattern for Derek, if he's going to struggle with his energy post round one or if he's going to be a bit more efficient like he has been previously. Because when you talk about gassing out, Drickus Duplessis is someone that I think's really struggled that. He's got the results. He's done well. He's yeah. on a good win streak. But you look at his last fight with Darren Till. He like 10 7 Till. He absolutely beat the shit out of Darren Till in that first round. And then he just seemed to gas out. And it allowed Darren back into the fight. And I think the second round, Darren won. And he could have maybe, if he had a bit more in him, won the third round. But Drickus got a takedown. And Darren seemed to really struggle with the takedowns of Drickus. And, and, and that's what won him the fight. So... It'd be really interesting to see how this plays out. Will Drickus be able to thwart the wrestling of Brunson and really showcase himself as like, hey, I'm one of the next guys to be a proper middleweight contender and take me really, really seriously? Or is he going to fail that Brunson test and we just kind of see these pool of fighters? Because Andre Muniz, who we mentioned a little bit earlier, is another one of these fighters. Him and Drickus Duplessis are the guys that everyone's been like, these guys are the guys at middleweight to just revamp it, fresh blood for Adesanya or now Pereira, all that kind of stuff. And um, if they if, if they both lose and Muniz lost against Brendan Allen, which was really unexpected. Uh, the great weekend, fight, by the way. It was a great fight. But um, if, 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 if Drickus Duplessis loses as well, then Middleweight is kind of back to just being like, well, we'll have to just throw Robert Whittaker, who I love, back in there. He, obviously, Pereira is freshening things up a little bit. But I kind of feel like middleweight could get very, very stale very, very quickly. Mm. We need some fresh blood into that middleweight division do, doing well. Um, and Drickus is the guy to maybe do that if he gets a win against Derek Brunson um, this weekend. Uh any thoughts or any thoughts on any other cards or, or not other cards, but other fighters on the card? I just want to touch on um, two-time former guest of the show, um, Ian Gary, uh, who's fighting Keenan Song. Um, I don't know too much about Song, um, but it's, I mean, fight past prelims. I'm a little disappointed. I'd like to have seen uh, Ian Gary on the prelims. But then if you've got the likes of Derek Brunson uh, and Drickus and Cody Garbrandt, uh, on the prelims, uh, and obviously Julian Marquez and such, like and Rebus, it's it's a stacked prelims as well. So um, yeah, unfortunately, you know, a, a lot of the casuals aren't going to get to see Ian Gary fight. Uh, Ten and O, you know, I, I love the fact that Ian's took. I you know was going to get to to ask Nath before his his, his battery died uh, about you know an, another Cage Warriors champ that's that's gone into the UFC of a lot of. A lot of interest, and and the fact that he's not done what Paddy and Molly's have done, and stayed with the team, and uh, and the same yes. with with with, with Naif. He's he's you know got his bag packed, and he's he's gone out to America, and he's training with some absolute 
killers as well. And uh, high-level training, completely just, you know, restructured uh, his, his, his camp for, for UFC and so far so good. And, yeah, interesting. I, I think as a... Uh, I really like watching um, how precise Ian Gary's striking is. I think his striking is really interesting. Um, and, yeah, wish him all the best. Um, super, super nice lad. And, uh, you know, uh, a, a new dad as well, which is, uh, which yes, is wonderful. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, we, we were so thrilled to be there. Uh, one of, you know, maybe about 30 people that was in your call that night during lockdown to see him get the belt yes. and uh, and then got to go and hang out and, uh, and have a drink with him afterwards, which was lovely. Um, and give him lad. some Skittles. Give him some Skittles. Yeah, that's his He loves, he feed, loves the Skittles, it? Ian Gary. So uh, hopefully he's going to uh, get a win this, this weekend and enjoy some Skittles uh, with, his, with his wife and baby. Um, Absolutely. Right. Are we done? I think so. I think so. So, yeah. This weekend, T-Mobile Arena, Jones versus Garn, UFC 285. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Thanks very much for, to uh, Nathaniel Wood for coming to show with us. I feel like we could do this again. We could start getting maybe some, some actual fighters on to preview some of these cards because, <laughs> let's be honest, just chatting a load of rubbish, haven't we? Absolutely. Yeah, thanks ever so much, uh, Nave. That was really, really kind of you to give your time up to come on here. Um, yeah, we'll be back next time. We'll be doing a post-fight show, right? We will do a post-fight show. Let's see if John Jones has come back as this dominant champion or if he's a bit lackluster at heavyweight. We'll see. Will it be a good night for Paris? I hope, I hope so. Well, you hope it's a good night for Paris? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, John Jones is great, but he's uh, he's not yeah. the nicest to humans. Uh, see, I'm, I'm t- I don't know what this says about me, but I'm kind of torn now because I would want Cyril Garn to win because I do think John Jones is, you know, maybe not the nicest of human beings. Cyril Garn seems like the nicest of guys. Cyril Garn seems like such a nice bloke, yeah, um, and John Jones less so. Um, but equally, I have picked John Jones to be the heavyweight champion of the world by the end of the year, and. Uh, the old predictions there yeah, so I, I yeah. want a, I want a point I'm getting really oh. precious about my points yeah you're going to get that I'm going to get my one for uh, for Dustin Poirier oh fucking hell that's <laughs> the Jesus <laughs> although there's been chatter there's yes, been chatter right. about Islam versus every Poirier every time I see it I'll get a little smile I'll say it to me doing on Friday I was going like he thinks it ain't going to happen but I'm telling you <sighs> Even if even if Poirier gets the fight against Islam, he's not beating Islam. No way, no way, sir. We'll see, mate. We'll see. Well, right, we'll be back. We'll next see time. you next time. Bye, bye, guys. Bye.